Hey everyone, welcome to the Self-Published Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Pearson, and I'm joined today by my husband. Hi, I'm Nolan. And today we're going to be talking about um, Lars and the Real Girl, which is a great movie. It is. And we've actually decided, so for future reference, for those of you who are movie buffs and don't want to hear spoilers from us, if a movie has been released within the last three months of us recording, we're going to do a two-part episode, so the first part, and they'll be released separately. The first part will be a no spoilers portion, and then the second part will be will have spoilers in it. So we went and watched Jurassic World on Monday, and we haven't discussed it with each other, which I'm okay with because we're going to save it all for the podcast, but we'll, we'll record a first and second part. And basically the first part for that one will include anything that's in the trailer, so the timeline that is covered by the trailer. Anyway, so yeah, there's that. You're okay with that, right? Yeah. Okay. And then, do we have any updates? No. <laughs> Not really. Uh... I don't. I mean, we've been working on flipping the house. I've been working on getting um, brainstorming for a future series. I'm going to be asking my readers for help on it today. And let's see. All right. I say we just go ahead and go with, go ahead with the quote and then the tip. People with goals succeed because they know where they are going. Earl Nightingale, radio personality. Yep, Earl Nightingale. So it says people with goals succeed because they know where they are going. Why did you pick that one? I I mean, most of these quotes are fall into two broad categories. It's having goals and then momentum, I would and say. Sticking to them. Yeah, yeah, which is, yeah. Which is momentum, yeah. Yeah, so it's just another goal one. I mean, obviously... I mean, people spend so much time <sighs> imagining they're writing a book. And not doing it. Like, I'm world building. No, that's you pretending to yeah. the someday write a book. That's pretty much me right now. <laughs> yeah, but you actually do it. I so do. It's different. I, yeah. I mean, you have to do that, but it's like, you know, I mean, everyone's like, well, she, what's her face? It took like seven years before she wrote Harry Potter. Yeah. I mean, that maybe, but also she wrote... <laughs> Stuff. Yeah. I mean, write it out. Mm-hmm. Don't just think about it. Yeah. Actually write small scenarios mm-hmm. for your characters and get going on actually writing stuff and then yeah. actually finish it. Yeah. Don't. I mean, there's only so many. You can't edit until you write. Okay. You should be, you should be polishing mm-hmm. your written stuff right yeah. now. Yeah. It's a right lot now. easier to. You need to be doing that and then being seeing where the gaps are instead of just trying to think through every scenario before you begin. Yeah, it's easier to edit something that's been written. Yes. Uh, brainstorming a series usually takes me a few years, um, sometimes just as little as one or two years, sometimes even a few weeks or months, like with the case of Shade Amulet, where I had a huge deadline and a broken finger and couldn't wait any longer. Deadline meaning contract, meaning I'd get sued if I didn't get it finished. It was a, we're not going to go into that. It was a very sticky situation that I'll probably never do it again, do again. Anyway, so yeah, um, having goals is it's necessary in order for us to to know where we're going, and if you have those goals, it gives you a map for the future, which is pretty important. All right, so let's get into the tip for today, and that is again we're talking about uh, book covers and cover designs and things like that, and we're going to go over best practices for this episode and then the next one, and I believe the one after that. 
uh, interview. Okay, so when you when you're searching for a cover designer, you want to interview them thoroughly, and don't be shy because they'll be just as unhappy as you are if the match is off. And Bookbub actually has a really great article on questions you can ask before start, uh, hiring someone. So go and Google Bookbub. You know, questions to ask when hiring a cover designer or whatever. And because this is your business, be ready to put in some work, even if someone else is creating the cover for you. So make sure you research the market and find out what is selling and like go through Amazon's bestseller lists in your genre regularly because trends do change and check out the USA Today and New York Times lists. And I think you'll find that New York Times lists, those book covers tend to be a little bit more uh, trendy or, you know, um, eclectic. But USA Today represents what's currently selling, not what's been handpicked to be a bestseller. And, and, and you'll get a good idea from that. And if you create your own book covers, be prepared for the first few to need a lot of work and you'll most likely look back at them and shake your head. So be ready and willing to redo as you learn new skills. And I'm actually, I still do that sometimes, you know, I put together a book cover and I'm like, oh, that wasn't, in hindsight, that wasn't great. Like the box set for the Clenia Chronicles book cover. You know, I, I took the main guy from the three book covers and stuck him on the, on the 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 one book cover and tried to make it work and and it didn't end up working very well. I didn't have a whole lot of time to do any more so I published it, but I did fix that today and did upload the new versions today. So Nolan, note to you, we can start Amazon ads on that as soon as we've got that finalized. Good. Yeah, as soon as Amazon has that updated. And I'd like to start bookbub ads and things like that on those. <laughs> He's like, "All right, I'll do that in my my spare time." <laughs> Anyway, so, okay, so our schedule, we're doing Lars and the Real Girl this week. The next week is Jurassic World 2. Then we have Casino Royale, Hunger Games, 10 Things I Hate About You, and Finding Forrester. And we actually have a guest who's going to be coming on with us for Casino Royale. Would you like to tell us who it is? David West. Yep, David West, who is our previously mentioned well-dressed author. <laughs> we'll see if he shows up. In pajamas. And what he wears to this... Uh... You know how formal we are around here. Oh, yeah. So formal. I'm wearing jeans. and I meant like the room, too. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's going to watch the movie with us, and then we're going to record. And, um, yeah, I've been... We'll, we'll do guests every now and then. Um, you know, I've decided that it's probably going to be limited to people that I know and whose personalities bounce well off of ours and somebody who can be here for it because we just don't have the ability right now to do online podcast episodes right now you know where we do google hangouts or something like that yeah we like small technical hurdles yeah exactly so we'll eventually get there but for now we we're not going to do it plus we know enough people we should be able to you know every once in a while have somebody yeah all right so i'm going to go ahead and read the excerpt this week it is for my book called the shade amulet it's an urban fantasy an adult urban fantasy she's in her mid-30s it's 2.99 on amazon right now and it will soon be available for free in August. Anyway, so I'll go ahead and read that right now. I have to remind myself to slow down because every time I listen back over this, I'm like, oh my gosh, I charge right through that. <laughs> it's kind of just in my nature to charge. My it's in my nature to charge money. It's in your nature to charge money. <laughs> Whatever. Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> it's not in my nature to spend money. It's not really in your nature either. We could spend money, but... All that unassembled 
gunpla over there. Yeah, he's like pointing at things that he spent money on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're both savers, though. We Look, both. That's ten dollars, and that's ten dollars. All right, you're right. We should probably stop doing that. Probably. <laughs> Is that where you wanted this conversation to go? No. Oh, I remember what I wanted to say. So one thing, this is an actual little tip that you are unexpectedly getting because I'm going to mention it right now. But my older brother does YouTube videos. His channel is Half Insane Outdoor Guy. And he does like, you know, animals and camping and like hammock camping in the middle of winter. I was there. Yeah. Nolan actually went with him on one. And you you could see me. In real life. Oh, geez. <laughs> Not in real life because it's a video. It's from the past. <laughs> you can see me in the past. Several months ago. During this winter, camping in a wind tunnel. Yes, it was great. Anyway, so he's he's super passionate about those videos, and they're a lot of fun. I really enjoy watching them, and mainly because it's my brother, but also because he does a lot of really cool stuff. Like, I'm like, oh, you know, that's interesting. Like, he's doing working on a video right now that's on birds of prey that are in our area. He's done videos on tarantulas and so if you have, you know, if you know anybody who likes outdoor things and wants to learn how to do these kinds of stuff, how to remove a a snake's skin that is stuck on it, he's done a video on that one. That's one of his most popular ones, actually. Anyway, so what he and his wife do is every time he makes a, a certain number of YouTube videos, they both get a reward. So we, I mean, you and your spouse or your, you know, the person who supports you the most, like consider, you know, doing something like that. Like Nolan and I are going to sit down and figure out, you know, when I finish writing Lizzie's series, we're going to have a reward. And then I get a Jeep. Oh, do you get a Jeep? Yes. We haven't discussed that yet. (laughs) I don't, I don't think you get a Jeep after I finish two more books. (laughs) Get to work. (laughs) You get to work. Get to work. Oh, me get to work. I'm like, I thought you said you get to work. I need, my, <laughs> I need my recreational vehicle. You do need a recreational vehicle. But I think we're going to probably need to write a few more books before we get to that level of reward. Well, they have to be really good books and it could just be the two. <laughs> oh, so it's all on me books. then? Well, it is your goal. <laughs> so I guess then you'll have to quit your job and then stay home with the kids so I can write it really okay. fast. Yeah, sure. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what we'll eat, but... We have lots of food in the freezer. We went shopping we have, yesterday. We have like a week, two weeks worth of food. <laughs> we have spices in packets. I mean, if it comes That's down true. to it, we could just open those up and... Clear our sinuses. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to figure out goals that we want once I finish. And I'm probably going to go by the series. I don't know, unless you think I should go... I don't know. Depends. Yeah. We'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah. It depends on how long it takes to write. I mean, you could do every two books or every five books or by the series or whatever. Or every book. Anyway, all right, so now I'm going to go ahead and read the excerpt. You okay with that? Are you sure? Yes. Okay. (laughs) All right. My phone rang from inside my bedroom, and I sprang to answer the call. It's not that I'm super lonely. Okay, fine, I am. But jobs don't happen often, and I can't exactly drum up business by encouraging hostage situations and active shooters. Not only that, but starting forest fires is still illegal, regardless of how much I get paid for stopping them. Hey, Chief. Get dressed, Lizzie, Lehigh City Chief O'Hare said. There's an emergency out at Lake Mountain High School. A police escort is on the way. Ready now. As I said the words, I grabbed my purse, socks, and shoes and rushed to the living room. He hung up, and I tossed my phone into my purse and slipped my feet into my socks and shoes before sending a regretful glance at the bowl of cereal I'd just started eating. Sia, my cat, would probably devour it after I left. 
Sigh. I headed outside to wait for my ride. I'd only been outside for a couple of moments when four cop cars pulled up, their lights flashing. I dashed to the front car, pulled the passenger open, passenger door open. Wow, that's really bad. I put, pulled the passenger open. <laughs> wow, I just totally interrupted myself. <laughs> Little Temple of Doom. No one was doing the heart. <laughs> the heart pumping in the hand. Anyway, I dashed to the front car, pulled the passenger door open, and slid inside. Chief O'Hare himself was driving. He glanced over at me. Buckle up, Lizzie, he said unnecessarily. I was already doing so. What's going on, I asked, as he pulled onto Center Street and headed south. And why are you going out personally? Bomb threat at Lake Mountain High. We think it's real this time. Lake Mountain had a couple of threats in the first year, few years after it opened, back before I moved here, but from what I'd heard, none of them had been real. What's different this time, I asked. Chief turned right on Pioneer and said, Lots of witnesses. Some kid called in, saying there was a bomb in the school. Officials followed protocol, put everything on lockdown, and called the cops. By that time, they'd already received three more calls about the bomb. Is there more than one student in on it? Don't know. How do we know it's an actual bomb? Chief gripped the steering wheel. The first kid who called acted like he knew more than he was telling. They searched his locker and found a suicide note. He didn't say where the bomb was located, but it didn't take long to figure out, as he had Jim first. They found him in the boys' locker room, with the explosive device strapped to his chest. Crap. What's the kid like, I asked, pulling out the state-issued ID that would get me into pretty much any crime scene. I wanted to be ready to hop out of the car the moment we pulled up in front of the school. Chief O'Hare glanced over at me. Not a stereotypical suicide bomber, if that's what you're wondering. He's popular and well-liked in school. Good grades, one of their best athletes. I'm not sure which sports team he's on. If that's important, I can find out. Whether he played basketball, football, or croquet didn't matter so much when it came to stopping bombs. I don't think I need the info, but I'll let you know. We were silent as we approached the high school. The moment Chief pulled up at the curb, I bolted from the car and fled across the pavement toward the nearest entrance. So, I forgot to give the preface about Shade Amulet. It's about a chick who does magical powers things. Um, she stops sparks, you know. So she has the ability to stop guns, bombs, and things like that. And it's a lot of fun. That's my Coven Chronicle series. All right, you ready to talk about the movie? Yes. Okay. So let's degrade into it. Lars and the Real Girl. It's yeah. about a boy and his sex doll. Sounds provocative. Perverted. Perverted, maybe, but it's not. It's it not is, at all. Um, yeah, it is uh, pretty tame. It's I, really I tame. Mean, it would be like rated G if it weren't for the fact that it's a sex doll. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, and it is a sex. So let's let's uh, rewind. That was provocative. That was uh, we hooked you with the sex. <laughs> yes. Now we're gonna go back. <laughs> You're like Ryan Gosling and a sex doll. So I will briefly introduce the characters and the general plot. Okay. So Lars, he <clears throat> is well played by Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Um, he was also in what other movies? For people who don't know, who uh, he is. I don't really watch his movies, so I couldn't tell you. Is uh, he? I mean, because somebody was acting like he's all famous, and he I, is all famous. I don't recognize him. Um, he was a uh, young Hercules in the oh, young see, Hercules know. Legendary Journey spinoff TV show. Okay, didn't in the watch second that. season. That's all I remember. Okay, <laughs> all right. But he's been in a bunch of other stuff. Um, but I don't care. So anyway, this is the only movie I've actually seen him in. Yeah, I think um, so. Same for me, honestly, because I was like, everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's Ryan Gosling. I'm like, who's Ryan Gosling? He is not hot in this if um, he's known for... Yes. Oh, The Notebook. 
Oh, was he in The Notebook? So he's supposed to have been hot in that one. Yeah, because he like worked out and stuff like that. I'm still, I still have better abs than him, but that's okay. Um, Oh my gosh, (laughs) everything's a competition to you. Yes, it is. I'm a man. (laughs) Men being competitive, you don't say. You don't say. Um, Well, I used to, I'm kind of fat now, but he's fat in this too, so there. And it's he not has really his, that fat. He has this perv mustache. He has a perv mustache and his hair is greased back and longer. Yeah, like no one like wears makeup or takes a shower in this movie, I think. No, a lot of them are clean. Margot's clean all the time. Karen's clean all the time. Gus is clean all the time. Margot is not clean all the time. Her hair is not the best. Oh, I never didn't even notice. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> um, he's the main character. He lives in um, a garage apartment. His brother and his wife, who is pregnant. Um, his brother is Gus. His sister-in-law is Karen. Mm-hmm. They live in the house that their parents used to have. Yeah. Before they died. Yep. Um, Margot is, um, I guess that's the three principles, I would say, probably the three with the most screen time are those three. Um, and I would include Bianca in that. Uh, I haven't gotten to Bianca yet. I know. Um, that's later. But um, anyway, so... Um, Lars and Gus's mom died when Lars was born. Yeah. And it kind of screwed over their dad. He and went... it broke yeah, their father. Yeah. And he was super lonely. And when Gus was old enough, he moved out and didn't even think twice and just left Lars, uh, Lars to be raised by a single father who... Had no idea he had a child, basically. Yeah. he kind of, I mean, you know, he's the reason their mom died. So he kind of yeah. blamed him for it and just ignored him, basically. So he's like a very neglected person. Yeah. And the opening scene is him just staring out a window in this. Watching the house. Watching the house that he used to live in. Because when um, when his father did finally die, he lived in that house, not in the apartment. So it yeah. used to be his house. Yep. And then his brother moved back when um, he got married and he and his wife moved in and bumped him to the garage. Pretty much, yeah. Lars went willingly, but he didn't, you know. He didn't fight it, but, yeah. you know, anyway, it's him, and he's uh, he always has his, the blanket his mother made for him mm-hmm. um, with him, like, pretty much in every scene of this movie. Yeah. It's very important to him. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's the opening scene. It's him staring out the window at the house he used to live in, and then Karen comes over and invites him to breakfast at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't know. It's dark outside. Um, and he refuses to go. Mm-hmm. And, that's... and then he agrees to do dinner. Yeah. And that's when she's like, you promised. Yeah, yeah. He so doesn't... he does. He avoids human contact. He's a very lonely person, and she's yeah. worried about him. That's why she keeps inviting him to do and stuff. And she's the and... only one. Yeah, like, she's Gus, worried about him. Gus is like, yeah, he's fine. He's 27. He's a single guy. Leave him alone. He wants to be left alone. And she's right. like, no, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So um, Lars, very lonely. Karen cares about him. Um, and is worried about him and thinks there's something up with him. Yeah. And Gus does not. He's in denial that there's anything wrong. Yeah. He's pretty much a jerk at the beginning of the movie. Yes. He's, and yes. And before, like, yes. I mean, he cares about his wife and his child. He's he's good to them, but not yeah. to Lars. Yeah, exactly. I think well, he, he probably views Lars negatively, too, because their mother, you know, because he actually remembers his parents. Yeah. He he's like, oh, mom. yeah, dad used to have people over all the time. He's like, he never had people over when I was, you know, a kid. And he's like, oh, that's before mom died. You yeah. know, and stuff. He just kind of casually yeah. says that sort of thing. And Lars is just sad about it. Yeah. When he finally does go to dinner and they talk. But um, yeah, he, he just avoids people like at work, you know, like people talk to him and he doesn't talk back to them. <laughs> 
Like, Except for his cubicle mate. Because he kind of has to because yeah. of proximity. And even then, it's very abrupt. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he has a lot of problems just dealing with everyday people, relatives, anything. He just can't do it. Yeah. His He's a really nice yeah. kid. People like him mm-hmm. still because he is very helpful. Yeah, he's charitable, humble, loves and serves everyone. He's a good guy. Right, and we get that right in the first scene because when yeah. Karen comes over, it's cold. Mm-hmm. He gives her his, the blanket. Yeah. He does not do this casually. No. And when he demands it back. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I want my blanket back. Yeah, he's like freaking out. But he gives it to her willingly. We don't really get what a big deal it is. We don't even know what it is until later in the movie. And then yep. you find out that him surrendering that to somebody is kind of is a, a big, big deal. deal. Yep. Um, Because he like literally wears it around his neck like a scarf kind of. Yeah. Um, When it's cold outside. But I guess it's like Canada or Alaska. So mm-hmm. it's always cold outside. It's um, it's it's all filmed in actually just outside of Toronto. So. Yeah. So we're talking like minus 70, 40. Minus 40. Yeah. I mean, I lived in Toronto for a year and a half and uh, yeah. it gets very cold there. It I also get, gets very hot there. Yeah. I, my, I max out between like 40 and 75 degrees. <laughs> it's He's right. I have I'm a like, very narrow band. It's like 93, 95 degrees outside. I'm like, ah, oh, soaking and up it's, the heat. And... That's hell on earth. That's a blasted <laughs> hellscape to me. I love the heat, but I want to be, I want the majority of my time to be spent in an air conditioned, unless I'm outside, you know, camping or on the water or something. I want air conditioning. Yeah. To be fair, I'm used to being by the water yeah. and wearing layers and I've just never adapted like <laughs> ever to Utah weather, especially since it's so, so different from Seattle. Yeah. It fluctuates. It's like, why is there snow? Why is there sun? <laughs> <laughs> we had snow five minutes ago. Yeah. So uh, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, this movie takes place during a cold time. I mean, there's not snow on the ground everywhere, but, you know, it's you can tell it's, it's cold. cold. Yeah. You can see their breath all the time. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's like the opening scene. It kind of sets the stage, you know, the loneliness of him. Yeah, and Karen's Karen concerned. reaching out to him. And then Gus is not caring. Gus not caring. And then um, Lars also being nice. Yeah. I mean, he's not that nice. I mean, in terms of like being around people, he's not, but he does give up something very important to him. Yeah. And it's not that far to the house. You know, but it is very cold and he just wants, you know, to help her. Yeah, exactly. Um. Anyway, so yeah. that's the scene. Yeah, and Gus is told, Gus totally ignores everything about his brother. And he, like his, his emotions, like this guy, I would say character development is the strongest between, Karen doesn't really have character development. She stays pretty much the same throughout the whole thing. She's understanding, accepting, loving, you know. Gus goes from totally ignoring everything from in guilt. He experienced guilt, shame, embarrassment, denial. It's not my fault. And what are people going to think? Uh, you know, when he's like, what are people going to think? No, no. He says people are going to laugh at Lars and the doctor's like, and you. And cause she, she knows it's, it's not about Lars to Gus. It's about Gus and how people are going to perceive his brother. Yes. So anyway, yeah. Well, we haven't talked about it. There's, a, there is a doctor, um, Dagmar. Mm-hmm. She's the town doctor. They only have like the one because it's kind of rural. Yeah. Um. So she's also like a part psychologist. She's a psychologist. She has an actual degree. Does she? Okay. Yeah. Um. That's what, so that's what Karen says because Gus yeah, is some, like, like what? They go, She has to go to med school and then go on and specialize. So that is yeah. not wholly impossible. Yeah. Um. But um. Anyway. So it's actually supposed to have been filmed way, way, way north. Like, I mean, it's supposed to have taken place because Karen's like, the doctor says in order to be, uh, in order to live up here and to be a doctor, you have to specialize in pretty much everything. She's yeah. like, living this far north, you have to know 
how to do, yeah, do psychiatry. Nobody's coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, to help you. You can't be like, go see this specialist. Exactly. Yep. Um, yeah. So you have to be a jack of all trades. But um, anyway, and then um, there's a scene where he goes to church. Uh, Lars does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, somebody asks if he has a girlfriend and like. He says no, and he's, you know, helping this lady with some flowers, so you can see that he's helpful again. Yeah. And she gives him a flower. He's, she's like, here, give this to somebody. Give this to somebody special. Special. And then... Um, Margot. Margot, the... Love interest. One of not. the love interests. Yes. Yeah. Um, says, like, hi, Lars, and he throws the flower away, like, right in front of her. Like, it's like a really abrupt throw, Unsubtle. Too. Yeah, it's not very subtle at all. He just throws it off screen. And he just doesn't say anything he to her. He turns around and storms away. Her. Yeah. And she's just like, mm. uh. yeah. Um, and then so next scene is work, mm-hmm. I believe. If not next, the next important one. Yeah, yeah. So he goes to work. Uh, the We're trying to do the setup here because it gets crazy like right here. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and um, the receptionist is like, hi, Lars, how you doing? She hey, calls him Sunshine. Sunshine. Um, don't you think the new girl's cute? Who is Margot? Yeah, Margot's like, the new girl at work. Yes. And he doesn't say anything. He just like... Stares at her and then walks through the door. Yep. And the lady's just like, uh, okay. <laughs> anyway, so he sits down at his cube and his coworker, who's a skis. Yes. Serious. Guy. Serious. He's like, hey, Lars, come look at this. And Lars is like, I'm not work. really in the mood for porn right now. He's like, it's not porn. Okay, fine. It is. It is. And that's where he shows him the doll. site where you order the dolls from. And still, Lars doesn't really look at it, you know, because no. he's a good guy. He turns away from it, you mm-hmm. know. And it doesn't show anything bad at all. Just shows faces and stomachs. Yeah. Um, of the dolls. Right. And then Margot comes in and says, like, hi, Lars, we're the only ones that live by the lake. We should carpool. And he just ignores her. And then yeah. he's like, oh, it's your day for coffee. To the the cubicle mate says it's your day for oh, coffee. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he goes and gets coffee. So she knows that he can hear her. Yeah, but she's to- he's just. But he just totally blows her off. He's and socially he- inept around her completely. Yes, completely. So she's stiffed again. <laughs> she gets stiffed so many times. Yep. She is a saint. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, it's a slim pickings in that town anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, here's where things get weird. Yeah. A box arrives at Gus's house. Six a weeks crate. later. Six weeks later. They And they skip six weeks ahead. Yep. Um. A, a crate arrives. Mm-hmm. And uh, Karen calls Lars and said, there's a crate. And then he pulls it into his... Um. House, the house, garage, the thingy. garage apartment, and he gets all fancy. He brushes his teeth, does his hair mm-hmm. while he's staring at this box. Yeah, and the scene shows him like brushing his teeth and staring at it, and then changes. You know, he's like doing a tie up and staring at it, and tries on different clothes, and he finally feels like he's ready. He's like getting ready for a date, technically. Not so technically, technically. Yes. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and then he's like, um, then he goes over to Karen and Gus's house, and and um, invites himself over to dinner. To dinner. He's like, we were, he's like, hey, I'd like to come to dinner with you guys. And, and I'd like to bring uh, a date. My girlfriend. Yes. And then, of course, Bianca. Karen, Karen and Gus are freaking out because they're like, hey, he's got a girlfriend. Yeah. And they're so happy yeah. that he's doing something social. Yeah. And uh, that's where willingly. the scene ends. And then yes. where does it start? Them um, sitting and staring on the couches. Yep. And um, he's got his doll with him. And he's like so proud. He's got this big smile and he's just totally oblivious to their reactions. Yes. And they're just staring like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. 
It's so great. Like, this is, like, one of my favorite scenes because it's, like, it's the, I don't know, is this the inciting incident or would ordering the doll be? But you don't see the doll get ordered. Uh, are they inciting? I'm not sure. Like, I actually thought a lot about what incites this. Yeah, because um, I don't really. I think it's him meeting Margot, which doesn't happen necessarily in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I don't know if that's. Because he wants to be with her and he can't find a way to do it. Yeah. He actually likes her right off the bat. He does, yeah. And he can't find a way to be with her. Yep. Um, because he's just psychologically not able to connect. Yeah. So he gets this doll, and he uses the doll to connect with everyone. Yeah. So yeah, he has I don't dinner. know. I mean, I'd like to anybody's opinion. If you've seen this movie, let let us know what you think the inciting incident is, because it's not. There's not a psychological like breakpoint before this, because it ha- it was coming before. He was already in this state beforehand. Yeah. But that's what causes the impetus is him actually wanting to be with. See, Mark. and I I don't know. I kind of I still feel think- like it's. It's like the the doll and being like, I can't live a real life without having something to work with the world through and him ordering the doll. But then you don't see But him why order does he do doll. that? But why does he yeah. order the doll? It's because of Margot, ultimately, I think. Yeah, well, I think it's because he's lonely and because he wants... It is, but there, I think once he meets her, and he's met her slightly before this movie, it's not the first time they met. Yeah. Um, he does like her and he wants to be with her but we don't see that until after he's dating bianca that's yeah, I know. we don't see that he's starting to get jealous of her until no she we don't. gets a girl she gets a boyfriend and yeah. he's got bianca the girlfriend the doll mm-hmm. and she's flirting and he's you can tell she's but i mean jealous, the reason you know? why he blows her off and can't i mean he does talk to other people but not to her because he can't mm-hmm. he like actually physically can't do it yeah yeah Anyway, so yeah, the doll. And they have dinner together. Yeah. He actually has dinner with them. And he like eats off of her plate. Yep. He cuts her food and eats it, uh, you know, like like they're a couple. Yeah. And he's super happy about it. And they just stare and like have a really hard time. And they don't know what to do. No, they're totally like, like, oh my goodness. Hey, um. Karen's like, will you come help me with the food in the kitchen? And Gus is like, yeah. He's like freaking out. He's just like, my brother's insane. Yes. And she's like, shh, you know. Right. So they make it through dinner. It's yeah. awkward. But they um, say, uh, oh. She goes off and calls the doctor. Yeah. Uh, Lars asks them if she can stay with them. Oh, that's right. Because he says it's not proper. And she, they, she's a missionary. Even though yes. she's a sex doll from Brazil with heavy, heavy makeup and fishnet stockings. and She's not dressed w- like a missionary. Most no. Mis- most missionaries. <laughs> the sexy church, I guess. <laughs> And but he's like, it's not proper. We're single, you know. And so they uh, they don't really offer. He asks if she can be put up in their house, and Gus is like, no. Right. <laughs> and Karen's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then he's like, and also she doesn't have many clothes because she's her luggage got lost on the way here. So can she borrow Karen's clothes? And Karen's like, no. Yeah. Then she has a hard time with that part. Yeah. Of it. She's like, ah. But they do eventually decide to help him out, and Karen calls the doctor. And, and the says, doctor said, no more monkeys. Yeah. And her name is Bianca. I don't know if we mentioned that. We did. Okay. But yeah, and they're like, they call the doctor and she's like, okay. And I think they say like, oh, I don't think she's feeling well. She should go to the doctor. Or well, he says that she's not feeling well. Lars is the one that I says see. that she's not feeling well. And he also said that she's unable to talk and she's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And so... No, 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 not able to talk. She can talk. But what was it that he was saying? He was saying that she's in a wheelchair. She has a heavy accent or something, and he's the only some, one that can understand her or something like that. Yeah, something like that. There's, And then he's like, she's not feeling very well because traveling made her sick. And so then that's when Karen's like, oh, well, we should have her get checked out. I talked to the doctor, and she says it's a good idea to get her checked out. Mm-hmm. And that's when we meet Dagmar. 
Yes. Who is also an awesome character. Yes. A doctor, the doctor, a town doctor. I said that like nine times there. Um, <laughs> uh, and she goes along with it. She's like, this is delusion. We just yeah. have to go with it until yep. he can get rid of the reason why he needs the delusion. Yep. And so she arranges. She's like, Bianca's sick. She needs to be treated once a week. I need you to come here with her. Yeah, he has to take her to treatments, and then she's like, she uses that sneakily gets him into her office. She's like, "Hey, come keep me company while Bianca's getting her treatments." Yes, exactly. And then that's how she treats Lars. So my question is, uh, what treatments are they giving Bianca, and how are they giving them to her? They never mention it, and there's no IVs, no suppositories, no. And oral. he's not usually in there. Lars is what most is, happening? is primarily our viewpoint character. Yeah, at least in terms of that scene, those scenes. And he's not usually in there. He comes in later. That's true. So Do- Dr. Dagmar, by the time he goes in there, she's usually taking notes in the chart. And she goes, she's like, well, she, Bianca needs to rest for a while. The treatments are pretty rough. So yeah, come see me in my office. And then yeah, they come go keep and me sit. company in the office. And they, they hang out for like half an hour or whatever. And she basically, she's like eating and she's doing totally casual things. He has no idea that she's consulting him. Exactly. Yeah. She makes it seem like it's not a regular appointment yeah she doesn't like sit behind her desk with like a roll of note-taking paper yeah yeah or anything like that yeah she does other things that's a good point yeah um we're just doing a synopsis so we should probably i know but it's kind of complicated it is it is yeah anyway we've done a lot of synopsizing up to this point because the situation is very different and we're assuming that most everybody's not hasn't seen the movie yeah so um why do we pick this movie it um We'll get to that. But I mean, so that we have the scenario set up. The scenario is kind of elaborate yeah. in terms of like other movies. So we have spent more time setting it up because you're like, hey, this this um, this guy with severe emotional problems has this sex doll he doesn't have sex with and takes it everywhere. Yeah. It doesn't really show the emotional impact of this movie. Yeah. The doll is how everyone inter- has to interact with Lars and how Lars interacts with everyone else. Yeah, and that's one thing that Dr. Dagmar, she's like, everybody is going to have to go along with it because he will not recover unless, you know, it go- until he figures it out, you know? And so, and of course, his brother and his sister-in-law are like, no, we're not going to do it. And well, mostly Gus. Mostly no. Gus. He's very resistant the entire time until yeah. most of the way through the movie. I mean, he has the biggest change of heart regarding all of this. Yeah. So it does take him a lot. Yeah. You know, at first, yeah. he he refuses, and then he reluctantly does it, and, and like him and Karen fight about it because she's like, you know, she's trying to do it in good faith, and he's yeah. just like, "What am I even doing?" Yep, stuff like that. And then eventually, he's you know, he's like, he puts Bianca to bed for Lars, you know. Yes. And then <laughs> once Lars decides to do it, and he's like, "Oh, he's kind of like." Uh, well, I usually am the one who puts <laughs> Bianca to bed. Yeah, and he's like, "No, I'm gonna." And he's like, "Okay," and he's like, doesn't really know what to do. Yeah, and he goes and like checks up on her later. <laughs> yeah, so just really briefly, uh, mm. the whole town rallies around Lars and Bianca, and they start. Bianca volunteers. You know, at the this it, old lady's like, "Oh, by the way, Va- Bianca told me that she wants to start volunteering at the hospital." Yep, and she like reads books to kids, and she's on the PTA board. Yeah, she gets like elected to the PTA board. Yeah, and so like the whole town just treats her like she's a real a really, person, uh, and person they really like. Yeah, and this is how they show Lars that they care about. Yeah, him. because they've all been living in the same place. Everybody knows everybody, and they've all known Lars his whole entire life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure some of them recognize that his neglect is partially due to them too, because you know nobody was paying attention enough to know. Yeah, no, they were never. And this is what Gus ultimately understands is that he. You know, there's he's a, the reason. He's one of the reasons why right. Lars ended up the way he did. Yeah, 
He was just, I mean, there's a scene with him and Karen where he's like, you know, because earlier in the movie, they invite him to come live with them and he won't. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I can't believe when I moved back, I made him move into the garage. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, this was his house before I got here for years. I mean, he grew up in it and then he lived here by himself in it. Yeah. And I didn't realize how lonely dad was. And I was just so happy to get out of that situation because it was so miserable. I didn't think about how it would affect Lars for me to leave. Exactly. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, so, I mean, Gus has quite a bit of character growth. Uh, Lars has a lot of character growth. Bianca has character growth. I mean, it's through yeah, other people. But growth. she comes and she's... And and this is a bit of trivia I'll give right now, but the, the doll actually has nine faces that show her progression as a character. So oh, she I comes wearing heavy makeup and it gradually gets lighter and lighter and lighter and then her face turns more and more green as she gets sick. Oh. So there's a spoiler for you right there. Bianca actually dies. Right, so... Um, yeah, so we can talk about the arcs. Um, anyway. Yeah, Lars's arc goes in, in, he's like in love with Bianca. He's dating Bianca. And then as he starts to heal as a person emotionally, Bianca starts to get sick because he realizes that she can't be there always. And so she ends up dying. Yeah, she's not really fulfilling him emotionally back. Yes, exactly. Because she, she's like off doing all these interesting things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and she's got a schedule on the refrigerator. Oh, and he everything. throws a fit because she had she, something to do. Yeah, cause, well, because she's not there for him yeah. to validate him emotionally. Because yeah. she's not, a, and she's not a real person anyway. Yeah. And he just gradually realizes, uh, subconsciously, probably that yeah. she's not giving him anything back. Exactly. Yeah. That all this time has been invested in something that can't return mm-hmm. what he feels in there. Anyway. And she gets. They have to call nine one one. And she gets hospitalized. and They go through the whole thing. Yep. And like, you know, the doctor, you know. They don't let him go back into the ER, you know, because she's a patient. And like everybody, the whole town acts like there's something that Bianca's a real person. But but what's what's one of the main reasons why she gets sick? Because Lars chose. I mean, Lars decided. But why did he decide? I don't know. You must have been watching more closely. That's when he gets jealous of Margot. Oh, yeah. Right? Once he sees Margot with somebody else, mm-hmm. he gets like super jealous. Yeah, and the thing is, like, he actually goes on a, a kind of date with Margot while right. and that's, Bianca's busy, and, and that's when it really starts to happen because um, Margot goes out with some other guy, I Eric. Forget his, Eric, um, and they break up, mm-hmm. and um, she's really sad. And then he decides to help cheer her up, which is a huge, which is a huge step in his, for him. Yep. So they go on like a not date date. They go bowling. Yeah. And they have fun. And then um, some of Gus's friends from his job show up and they all kind of ha- like. They just have a lot of fun. They have a lot of fun together. Um, and it's like not really, I want to say. There's no commitment. Intimate. It's not common. It's very low key. Yeah. It's very friendly. Yeah. Um, so there's like four or five of them. Yeah. It started out with just those two, but like he could have fun in a group of people, like a big group of people. Yeah. And you could he tell could... he's still shy. He's still introverted, but you could tell he's enjoying himself. Yeah. He actually has fun doing something social without yep. Bianca around. Yep. And then when that not date is over and they're taking their shoes off, she's like, thanks, you know, I, you did me. I feel so much better, you know. And he's like, oh, I don't want you to get the wrong feel- impression. He's like, I'm not the type who would cheat. And she's like, oh, no, I wouldn't either. Yeah. So, she's so there's like, like points for him there. He's dating a doll and he yeah. doesn't want to cheat on the doll, you know. But it's he has all this emotion bound up in what it means to be with somebody. And to be a man, what it means to be a man. Like yes, that's huge that, to him too. Yeah, him and uh, Gus have a talk about what it means to be an adult and be a man specifically and 
one of the things was like you know be there for, there for the people that you care about and don't cheat and stuff like that but do it yeah even he's like, if you don't want to do it right and so when he's like i can't be with you and she's like i never she's like i would never do that i would never ask you to yeah as long as you're with her then you don't have to worry about it yeah and then that's when she starts really going downhill she or bianca bianca she yeah. bianca goes yeah, she starts, starts getting sick, and it's it's funny because like they call nine one one, and they have a fight he's with Dagmar. Too, oh yeah, they, he has a fight with Bianca, and they yell at each other. Yes, and like I don't think I like his tone, <laughs> says the old lady. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so they call nine one one, and she ends up in the hospital, and Dagmar, the doctor, she's like, she's like Bianca's really sick, and then she turns to Lars, and Lars says she's dying, and and afterwards, you know, Gus and Karen are like, how could you let this happen? And she's like, I'm not doing anything. It's all Lars. He's the one that's choosing to for, let her go. To yeah. let her go, yeah. And so it's his progression, you know, and then Bianca's progression, and everybody, you know. Yeah, and there's a scene where they go to the lake, him and Bianca, Lars and Bianca. Yeah. And he kisses her. Oh yes. Oh, when she's this dying. is like yeah, like yeah, this it's is not like, a romantic. It's his it's, letting. This go is like super painful. Yeah, and this is where he used to have fun as a child. Him yeah. and Gus and his dad was like the only real memories he had of enjoying himself with all of them together. Yeah, was at this lake. Yeah, and he takes her there earlier in the movie, but this this is the more pivotal one where he lets her go. And, he, and he's he, crying. Yeah, it's actually like really like emotional. Yeah, it's hard. And he yeah. kisses her. That's the only like closest. That's the only kiss in the whole movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's just this one. And then he puts her in the lake. Mm -hmm. And she's dead. He drowns her. Yes. She Does died. He really? I don't think he drowns her. I just think I'm, it's I'm never, I've always been confused by I'm like, why? Why did he put her in the water? It's not his personality to drown her. No, I think she was already dead. I think that's just like she dies. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So then, it wasn't mean. Like he wasn't. No. Yeah. No. They end up. They have an actual funeral. They have like the preacher does the funeral thingy and yeah, they it's bury full her. On, and the whole and, town is there. Yeah. And she's got a plot. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> yep. And people are upset because like they you know came together as a community for this yeah. person. And, and her sick bed had flowers from the community and get well cards and mm -hmm. and every, and you you know I mean watching Gus and and Karen their concern like Bianca's dying you know and and just knowing that that's mirrored by everybody in the town like they're it's their concern not just for Bianca but for Lars like why is she dying you know mm -hmm. and and um at the end it's uh Margot Lars and the doctor mm -hmm. left and um forget exactly what they say but she's like you know i'm sorry she's dead uh margo says that and he's like you want to go for a walk yeah and then the doctor kind of like smiles and like walks off because she understands yeah he's where this is going yep and then that's the end of the movie yeah so he can finally be with the one he wanted to be with but he had to go through this proxy yeah and i'm wondering i'm like having they... to learn to be with somebody he had to do it with a a doll first symbolically yeah and then he could let that go yep. later and be with the real person that he wanted to be with. So my question is, if they get married, you know, like 10 years down the road. So do you remember that girl I dated, Bianca, the one that died? I mean, how are they going to handle it? Is he ever going to recognize that I think that the delusion's gone and he might not even bring it up again. Like maybe it just leaves his brain. I mean, I yeah. know it's like it's an illness. Because there's like no scene where he intentionally orders the doll. It literally just appears. He has no memory of it. Yeah. Uh, like there's nothing like he had to spend a lot of money. They're thousands of dollars, I guess like five or six thousand Bianca for the movie was six thousand dollars. There you go. Um, not a small chunk of change to just have disappear from your bank account and yeah. then have a crate show up. Yep. Um, on, you know, like a, a human sized crate. Yeah, no kidding. And he, you know, 
I had to open the crate and then haul this 125-pound sex doll over to his brother's house. Without a wheelchair. Without a wheelchair. wheelchair got it stolen, too. Um, air quotes, stolen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and he did all that, you know, yep. without realizing that it was what he was doing. Yeah, so I'm I gonna... think the other end would be the same, where he gets rid of the delusion and he's just with Marco. Yeah. I'm going to skip this whole page because we've already talked about pretty much everything here. We're just going to talk about a few points here and there. Uh, but the show and tell. So they they show the whole community rallying around Lars. Karen could have just said, oh, my goodness, the town is rallying around him. She could have just said that to Gus in passing. But they actually show like they like some of the girls in the town give Bianca a haircut, you know. Like, better get it right because it's not growing back. <laughs> She's like, it's not growing back. And, you know, the people volunteer Bianca, which is work for them. You know, they have to dress her. They have to bathe her. They have to get her ready. And they actually do everything. They treat her like she's real. And, and it's work. It's not, you know, but they rally around Gus. And she does weigh like 120-something pounds. So it's it's not insignificant to give her a bath. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, and then, um, okay, something that was kind of funny to me. Gus is like, well, Karen's doing pregnant women's yoga and no one's like, been there, buddy, buddy. And I'm like, you've done it, buddy. <laughs> I know. I was I was uh, being supportive and I did pregnant <laughs> he, yoga. You did pregnant pregnant lady yoga with me. Uh, one thing that I that I thought was awesome is was Lars saying, I'm not sure how well these treatments are working. And the doctor, anybody, any professional's first reaction would be to bristle at something like that because it's imaginary. I'm doing my job. I'm doing the best I can. Dr. Dagmar doesn't bristle you know it just shows she's like well yeah it's really complicated and you know it's like you know this is a really complicated illness yeah um it's hard to treat yeah and she it just shows that she how mature she is as both a professional and an individual and that she recognizes truly understands what's going on with Lars you know that it's all inside of him uh and one thing that was really 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 poignant to me is when when you know when they first very first meet bianca and she goes to church for the first time and the church lady gives her flowers Lars says those are nice huh and they're real so they'll last forever it's indicative of how he feels about people you know like nothing lasts forever to him to his dad his dad his mom his brother leaving you know and so he wants bianca because she will last forever she's a doll who will never die you know but then like what you're saying he's not emotionally fulfilled by her and so he comes recognizes that fake is not what he wants. He wants something real. Mm -hmm. I thought that was very poignant. Oh, I didn't notice that one. Yeah, there's some... Um, one of the note scenes that I liked was... So as uh, Bianca's getting treatment and he's talking to Dagmar, that's not the only thing that's happening. She's He can't be touched by people. Oh, yes. We totally forgot about that, that aspect. Um, so she's trying to treat She him asks to... him how he feels about Karen because she's the new in-law. And he goes, oh, there's something wrong with her. Right, and it's she's like, always giving me hugs and stuff like that. And she's offended when I don't want her to hug me and there's something wrong with her. And Dagmar's like, you can't fix Karen, but she's like, there's something really comforting about a hug. And he goes, no, it hurts. Yeah, he says it feels like when you get really cold and then you get you stick your hands in hot water mm -hmm. and how it burns. Yeah. It feels like that. Yeah. And she's like, okay. So she like puts a finger on his arm, you know, and she's like, how's that? And he's like, that's not, you know, that's uncomfortable. And then she puts her hand on there and he jerks it away. No, no. He was right. like, oh, it's okay. But then she puts her hand on his oh, neck. Oh yeah, on his neck. Yeah. And then he has, he freaks out. Yeah. Like, but anyway, gradually over time, she can like put her hand on his arm and, he, and she's like, how's that? And he's like, eh, it's okay. Yeah. But it turns out the reason why is because he doesn't want to lose Karen because he really cares about her mm -hmm. and his mom died during childbirth. 
Yeah, and and he's talking about Bianca having babies, you know, and he's like, he's she, like, she can't have any. She can't have babies, and the thought that you know, that therefore she, she can't Karen, die in childbirth. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, the thought of having Karen dying in childbirth or whatever, he totally hyperventilates in her office and Doctor Dagmar's office, and she's like, breathe, put your head between your knees, breathe, breathe. Yeah, he starts know? having a freak out when he thinks about Karen dying in childbirth. Yeah, because that's how he lost his mother and his father and his brother. Yeah, emotionally. Much. Yeah, not you know, not literally. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's he's like talking about it's so dangerous to you know have kids and to, to care about anyone because yeah. then you lose them. Yeah. So that was one of the scenes that I thought was very interesting. Yeah. Um. Let's see. So he doesn't hate Karen because at the beginning of the movie he gives her the blanket. Yeah, it's a symbol of his re- his his, his relationship with a mother. Yeah. And a woman he cares about. Yeah. And he gives it up casually at the beginning, but then you really realize later on how important it is to him. And yeah. then that scene shows you how much he really does care about Karen. Yeah. And anyway, everything turns out. Anyway, so uh, so this movie, would you say this movie is completely character driven? Yes. Yes. There's absolutely no plot driven elements no, to it. Everything happens because of someone else. It all makes sense. Everyone behaves in character at all times. Yeah. They may they may not be super well rounded characters. Um, because they don't need to be. But yeah. I mean, there's different aspects. He's got his brother and then like the three women women in his life. What What did you say about the women in this movie while we're watching the movie? Um, they're all angelic, basically. He's, yeah, they're all he's very, like, these are all very well-written characters who and are. And they're well-rounded, but they have like different emphases. Yeah. So like Karen is his relationship with a family. Yeah. Uh, Dagmar is just like intellectual, has an intellectual relationship with him. Yeah. Margot has a romantic relationship with him mm-hmm. and they each fulfill their purpose mm-hmm. while being like actual real people. And the three and of them don't like have ridiculous. hardly any, I mean, Margot has a tiny bit of character growth because, but not even, I mean, none of them, they don't really, they are there. I mean, this movie is so character driven, but it is not about them. It's about Gus and Lars and it's and how they, you know, so it's a very, very character driven, but, but they're. Uh, they're plot devices without feeling like plot devices. No, they interact. They're real. Like, they are real people. Yeah. They contribute emotionally mm-hmm. or intellectually or romantically. To the story. To the story. Yeah. And they don't even have to always do it with words. Margot barely ever speaks, but she has a ton of facial expressions. Yes. She reacts to him being with Bianca. And... Oh, so you, if you have not watched this movie, you really, you, it is, it's a comedy. And like us giving you a little synopsis it's it's funny and it's such it's a feel-good movie and it is there there is a lot of like heavy emotional stuff but yeah it is mostly funny yeah i think and, and not in like a laugh out loud raucous kind of way no no no. but it is it's into intellectual humor it's funny yeah. yeah i mean like you know these people have to act like this doll is a real person yeah and it's not easy for them no yeah. <laughs> especially at first and mm-hmm. then once they do it's hard for them to stop yeah <laughs> and yep. how people like how like a whole town of people deal with that yeah and they and they basically act like she's you know they it's like they've gotten to the point where they've treated her like she's real for so long that she is real to them yeah because like when they have a fight and then the, the lady gives them like a t- dressing down she's like, <laughs> she's like you can't get another girl like bianca as good as bianca so you better you know treat her right. i don't like that tone of voice you're using and bianca has a life you know she's yeah. not gonna wait around for you all day and <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's so wonderful <laughs> Anyway, so uh, I'm going to give trivia now. Is that okay with you? Yes, yes. Okay, so Bianca was treated like a real person, not just in the movie, but also she had her own trailer. She was dressed privately, and she wasn't in scenes where she wasn't on set when she, when it was a scene that she wasn't in. It was all, all done to help Ryan Gosling stay in character. 
And Ryan Gosling's, a lot of his interactions with Bianca are improvised by him. And the movie was shot in 31 days. So Karen was not pregnant because she progresses in her pregnancy about six months worth, or actually probably more of like four months. Yeah. Um, And then I already told you the doll has nine faces. Hmm. Yeah. There doesn't need to be like, they could easily shoot that in a month. It's just a drama in a few key locations in this town. It could be a play. You know, yeah. easily set on stage. There's no special effects or anything like that. No, no special effects. So, I mean, why not? It's basically, it's on, and it's like an hour and 40 minutes long. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like two or three TV episodes. Yeah. And that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that in a good way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a really good story with very, these very inter- well interweaving told. plots. It's funny. There's, there's real emotional connections and like pain mm-hmm. these people go through as they grow. Yeah. And then have a resolution at the end, you know, where they come together and they can be, you know. Yeah. Um, One scene that I want to mention as a teaser for the reader, the viewers, whatever, listeners, and that I don't want to talk about because I don't want to spoil it is the work party that he takes her to. It's their first technical date. Yes. yes. And so we'll just, it's, it's amazing. It's the first time people, he goes out in public with the doll and it's. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's good. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah. It's a great scene. Because everybody knows she's coming. I think Margot sent out a, a, a memo, but yeah. let's not talk about it. I don't. Yeah. I don't so, but, but, but I mean, you know, cause like when they ring the doorbell, like people like freeze cause they know it's coming. Yeah. You know? And yep. then how each of them deal with it is. It's very entertaining. Cause they talk to people. Oh, are, and the perverted guys. Yeah. No. Okay. We can't. Yeah, let's yeah. anyway. But it's good. My point is, is that they, they, you know, you could react like this and there's a person to represent that re, you know, reaction yeah. and this reaction and yep. that reaction. You know, yeah. helpful, not helpful. And it's, you know, that way throughout mm-hmm. with everybody, you know, there's yeah. all these different interweaving, you know, emotional arcs. It's, yep. it's how how I wish they wrote action movies these days. I was Put a little bit more time on the emotions. Uh, I was listening to a podcast and this is going to come up. It was actually about Jurassic World. Somebody doing a review of it. I don't want to uh, hear what they said. This This has nothing to do specifically with it, but he makes an excellent point. Mm hmm. Uh, it's the Geek Gab podcast, uh, just so you know, so I can credit this. But he's like, special effects have gotten so good, people don't go to see special effects anymore. So we've come back around where plot matters. Yeah, I would agree with that. People, do, The only time you recognize so special effects is when they're bad. Yeah. Yep. So now it's come back to plot. Like, can you write a good story? Special effects don't matter. Everyone expects perfect special effects. Yep. This movie has a darn near perfect story and didn't need... Special effects. Yeah. I wish this level of intricacy, emotional impact was available in these other movies that have more action in them. And yeah, it would make for very long movies. No, they're already two and a half hours of boring. Well, They I'm become boring like, because they don't have the emotional plot, impact for the character. Yeah, plot, emotional growth, <clears throat> that stuff takes time. Well, this know? this movie's an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. you could You could easily make a two and a half hour movie with an hour's worth of action piled on top of it. That's true. And that's what we're seeing now. Yeah. But that hour they spend developing characters, they could learn from this movie yeah, is what exactly. I'm saying. Here's where it comes back to writing and writers. Have your characters be like these characters in terms of... Their depth. Their depth. So they feel real. Like you feel like you know them. Yeah. Not Bianca, you, but the readers. Bianca's not the only real girl. There's actually real girls and boys and men. And they act like people would really act. Yeah. In these situations, you know, and like how they all react differently and then with each other. Mm-hmm. It's very, you know, because Gus is, doesn't want to do it. And Karen 
does want to do it mm-hmm. and she knew something was wrong with him the whole time and like it was obvious to her mm-hmm. but not to Gus and so when this happens you know there's that conflict between yeah. them where she was right and he was wrong and he doesn't want to do it and she does you yeah know? and they eventually you know they have this talk later and they come to you know mm-hmm. they work it out is that one of your takeaways yeah okay well let's count that as one of my takeaways all right what are your other takeaways oh, gosh it's such a big one I mean, it's so important to make characters that you like. Yeah. I wanted Lars to be okay. I wanted and you Karen know, and Gus to be a family again. They Gus has, like, Gus is the most unlikable character besides the perv co-worker. But you still like him because you relate to him, you know? Yeah, he's not a bad guy. No. He was in a hard situation, too. His mom died. Yeah. His dad pretty much stopped caring. Yeah. Um, and so once he was old enough, he left and he went and had a nice life and he got married to a nice lady and they're having a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's, you know, he's got a job and, you know, he cares about his, that part of his family and he does care about Lars. He just doesn't know how to deal with him because he was a kid too. When his dad died, he left as soon as he could. Mm-hmm. He didn't know how to raise Lars. Oh, pacing on this movie. So that's your next takeaway. Yeah. they Like this movie has no action in it mm-hmm. but i'm not bored not once not once was i bored and this is this is the i've said i've seen it several times now and i was not bored once how did you do that because like i can't even go see an action movie where it's blowing things up half the time mm-hmm. and then i lose interest for the other half of the movie because i don't care about what's going on anymore yeah yep um this movie doesn't do that they actually managed i mean that makes it sound like this is great they can you can keep people's attention on the characters and what the characters are doing and how the character this is all interreactions between characters yeah i mean i would say the only time that it's not is when uh, lars is with the doll by himself but even that you know how he treats her mm-hmm. shows how he's feeling and how he's growing as a person as well yeah yep i think that's three. Oh, i wasn't counting <laughs> they, it's at least two i, I they feel intermingled like but i feel like one and two kind of flew together one and but... two should be enough <laughs> yes <laughs> we've Beautici- quoted that beautician before. and the beast we've quoted it before in our podcast we have um but i if anything just character mm-hmm. and and well having characters that have depth having characters that your main characters be likable and yeah. you want you want them to succeed mm-hmm. okay so um are you ready for mine yes okay i've got like five okay so i'm gonna plow through them okay because i couldn't narrow it down i'm like these are all so important Okay, so characters need to show their emotions. So Gus in the waiting room, you know, when they first take Bianca to the hospital or to meet Dr. Dagmar and everybody's staring at them and he's he's like antsy, he's uncomfortable, but he doesn't tell us that. He shows us that. So if your characters are nervous, they need to have a physical reaction. If they're angry, it's the same. Like their hands, you know, their hands fisting and their face is flushed. If they're excited, they should be bouncy, a rapid heartbeat, things like that. And I'm going to recommend a book called The Emotion Thesaurus. It's called The Emotion Thesaurus, A Writer's Guide to Character Expression. And this is one of the best books I've ever used when it comes to trying to figure out how to portray what my characters are feeling. And I don't use it as often. I, don't, I haven't actually used it probably in a year or two. But but you well, used it initially. I used it all the time. Yeah. And it was super, super helpful. Okay, so then my next um, takeaway is not every character needs growth. Not every big character needs growth because Margot and Dr. Dagmar and Karen are huge characters in this movie, but they are not, they don't require growth, you know? They didn't need to grow. They were helping someone else grow. 
Exactly. They were piv- they were each pivotal in their own way to helping yeah. Lars. Yep. And Lars and Gus have huge growth, not little growth. And when you have little growth, you need to have lots of little growth in multiple characters. So anyway, okay, so then antagonists don't have to stay the bad guy the whole time in a comedy and a romance type movie or a drama or something like that. But in other genres, they do have to stay the bad guy the whole time. You don't want in a fantasy or a thriller for the bad guy to monologue and turn good at the end because that is unsatisfying. Nolan's rolling his eyes right now. Star Wars. Which Star Wars? The recent ones. Oh, well, Darth Vader does that. No. I mean, yeah, but it's not unsatisfying. It's no, not because it? they, they, they foreshadow there's good in him. There's good in him. There's good in him. They foreshadow it. Yeah. So um, antagonists don't have to say the bad guy the whole time. They can, they can, like Gus was pretty antagonistic at the beginning, but this movie doesn't really have a real antagonist protagonist. It doesn't. Relationship. Yeah. Anymore. But I mean, he he's antagonistic to the process, and then he mm-hmm. accepts the process, and then yeah. he is also healed by the process. Exactly. All right, then setting sometimes doesn't matter. This story could have taken place in any small town anywhere. It could have even taken place in a big city with neighbors that are that know each other. You know, like in an apartment building or something where they're in close proximity and have lived there for years. Exactly. So, but if the setting, and this is my last takeaway, if the setting isn't big, you have to make the characters and their development paramount. Because if the setting doesn't matter, then your story has to be held together by the emotional and the relationship glue, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so those are my takeaways. Good. Those are good takeaways. Thank you. So this movie Mm -hmm. has a lot going for it. It and does. it's not incredibly long, so it's even it's probably the shortest time commitment of any of the movies that we've even brought up. Uh, no, we watched an hour and a half one. Lost uh, Jurassic Park 3 was an hour and a half. So there you go. Second shortest. Yeah, second shortest, and it's three million times better than Jurassic Park 3 was. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Low bar to clear. Yeah. And that, one had, that was a high budget, tons of money. Yep. Big actors. Big actors, that very good actors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Sam Neill and... Uh, William guy. H. Macy and mm-hmm. um, Tia Leone. These are established actresses, actors and actresses that could, mm-hmm. that could, you could make them act any way you want to and they will sell it. Yeah. But you couldn't write them well enough to be yep. any good. Yep. Just another way Hollywood is failing right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just saying. Um, that's right. <laughs> Hollywood Take is that. failing you. Take that, Hollywood. You're failing to entertain me. Mm-hmm. And that's why your ticket sales are down. Learn from me in my podcast. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> he said he said arrogantly, "Is that can you do that?" <laughs> so we've given lots of closing thoughts on this. On this, we have movie. a lot to th- we have a lot to think about. This movie made us mm-hmm. think and feel a lot of. Um, a lot it's, of feels. You had a lot there's of feels. A lot of, yeah, there's a lot of feels in this movie, and they're good feels, and it's complicated. Yeah, like life's complicated. Yeah, and you feel that in this movie. Yep. All right. So the end. All right. So we're <laughs> done. Um, wrap it up. Um, Review us wherever you get podcasts and can review us. Yeah, uh, only if it's five stars. Oh. <laughs> if you want to leave a five-star review, maybe four, then do it. Um, one stars, please don't. <laughs> I think you can say that, right? Give us an honest review of there five go. stars. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Nolan. <laughs> Inappropriate. No, plenty of podcasts. I was like, okay, give us a five-star review. Please leave a five-star review. I'm asking you to please do it. But, of course, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. So we have like we're in the seventies now on listeners, boom, listeners, guys, literally dozens of fans. Look, look, yeah, seriously, guys, thank you for supporting us. Yeah, thank you, and um, Patreon. Oh yeah, yeah. Patreon.com forward slash self published strong. 
And uh, I feel like there's one more thing we should mention. I always mention my email address, andreaselfpublishedstrong.com. So, yeah, send me an email if you have any questions. And, yeah. Yeah, I think that's it for today. Okay. Okay, talk to you all later. Bye. Bye.